Hey, Suzanne. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying this first month of 2021. How are you? Well, to be honest, I'm completely bored out of my mind. (laughs) It's been a rough week or two, but I'm doing okay. You know, I have those happy things to think about, like the conversation we had with your daughter last week. That went really well. Yeah. And it was really fun. And I'm always impressed with her. Of course, I am her mother with her amount of knowledge. And she is so well-spoken. Whenever I hear her talk, I think she talks very clearly. She has a great vocabulary. She's easy to listen to. Anyway, I was really impressed. Well, she is related to you. And (laughs) I loved how she shared her honest opinions about being her mom and everything. And I just love the the hug comments. That was so funny and so on on point or however you say it. Yeah, well, and when we were summing up the conversation later in the day, she mentioned that and we all laughed. We all thought that was so funny. So yes, it was very honest. And I appreciate that. It was just like a breath of fresh air or something coming through. But she brought a smile to my face and to my day. Yeah, mine too. I hope she's listening today because I'm going to say thank you again, Katie. You're wonderful. And I hope you come back again. And I think she would really love to come back again. I think she is excited about the wedding planning episode that we want to do in February because, well, it's been five years since she's been married, but but we did put on the wedding of the century for her wedding. Yes, she did. On a day I couldn't attend. I know. Just saying that one more time because <laughs> I'm still a little butthurt about it. I know. I know. And I missed you very much that day. But yeah, the planning was extensive. So we still have that fresh in our minds like it was yesterday. So anyway, she wants to join us when we have that episode because she has a lot to add to that. I bet she does. And I bet she'll bring a lot of new ideas because even in the five years since she's married, I bet there are so many new things that people didn't even think about back then. Oh, absolutely. So we'll look forward to that episode. Definitely. So as I mentioned, I'm a little bored. <laughs> I know because, that you are. <laughs> you know, when you and I talk on this podcast, we have made an agreement that our friendship will be authentic, but we are going to talk about the lighter things in life most of the time until there is a time to talk about the deeper stuff. It's not that we're shallow. It's not that we don't have problems in our lives. It's just that we made that conscious decision that we would try and keep things light. We try to keep things light, but honest. We're talking like we talk when we're sitting at a table having a bottle of wine together or or our bottle of champagne together. But yes, we want to keep it light and we want to keep it honest. We do. We're, We're showing you the Facebook version or the social media version of everything, which is all true, but we're just keeping it light. But feeling a little bit heavy right now with everything that continues to go on in the world. Right. And I love the title that you came up with for this episode. Why hello, COVID, you're a Grinch, even though it's January. I know. I think a Grinch is just that thought of 
something in your life that's like, Err. it takes yeah. something away from you. Yeah, it robs you of some joy or it tries to. That's the key word. It tries to rob you of your joy. Yes. And COVID is the definition of that right now. And I'll tell you, when I got up this morning and I turned on the news program that I watch every morning and the headline is still COVID and the interviews are still exhausted nurses and doctors in the healthcare profession. And it's still about the death and dying every single day. It is so disheartening and so discouraging. And my heart bleeds for the healthcare workers that are exhausted, but it's too much. It's too much, too much, too much. And I have to turn it off. I can't watch it anymore because it just is so draining. And I know it's got to be for you too, especially now. Right. What many listeners wouldn't know is that right now, while I am so bored, it is because I have been quarantined for the past eight days. My husband did test positive for COVID. So our house is having a brush of that right now. And I know you had a brush with it recently also. I did. And we didn't talk about it over Christmas, but it was about a week before Christmas. And my family had all my kids came with their dogs. And we've talked about that. And we had decided a week after everyone got here that we would all go get rapid COVID tests just to make sure because we were coming, everyone was coming from different parts of the country. COVID was raging across the country. So we all ran and got our rapid COVID test and the results came back in like two hours and everyone was getting negative, negative, negative. Well, I got my test and it was positive. I can't even believe that. I was in shock when I got that message from you. And it was five days before Christmas Eve. And I realized I had a house full of people, you know, and it's my home. I'm the host. So I'm doing the cooking. I'm doing the cleaning. I'm doing, you know, everything that goes on in a household. I have my literally my hands and everything. So I thought, oh, God, what am I going to do? And And you had all those boxes around you still. (laughs) I hadn't even, you know, because I wasn't on my A game, as we talked about before. I had to order everything online. I had Amazon boxes and Nordstrom boxes sitting everywhere, trying to organize, get wrapped for Christmas. And I was like, oh, crap. Now what do I do? How do I keep my whole family? And all we had been hearing on the news was, it's around your family. You've got to quarantine. Well, in my house, you can't just go live in a bedroom when you have eight other people in your house and four dogs and disappear. So we devised a plan. And I had kind of decided this would happen with anyone in our family. There is a hotel nearby that has private casitas my husband, who had tested negative, went to that hotel, checked me into a private casita that had its own entrance. I put a do not disturb sign on the door. I quarantined for seven days, but I never once had a symptom. So I went in two days after I got my positive rapid test and got the PCR test, which is supposed to be more accurate. And I had to wait three days for that result to come back. Never felt a symptom. Ugh, quarantine is awful. Yeah, putting yourself through the what ifs or what could. Yeah, when you're 
when you're completely alone. I have such a deeper understanding of what everyone who was dealing with COVID alone, how they must have felt. Because the first night I woke up at probably one in the morning in a full-blown panic attack with all of the what ifs. Am I sick? What if this? What if that? What am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Am I going to call my husband? He won't be able to help because I'm in quarantine. And, you know, we didn't want to get him exposed just like anyone else in the house. So I was on my own. And so it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And I really had to find my inner strength to get past that. And it was ironic because my mom had sent me an email the next morning that said, find your inner strength, Suzanne, to get through this holiday season, not knowing yet that I had tested positive for COVID. I hadn't talked to her. She was just telling me to find my inner strength to get through the holidays with all the kids and all the chaos in my house. And I was like, if only she knew. Well, she's going to know after she listens to our podcast. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I later told her that I had tested positive and that her words were very healing for me mentally because it was really hard for me to get through it. Right. So, I mean, you're in quarantine, you're by yourself. Worst case scenarios are running through your mind. How was your family dealing with it being back home? I think they were dealing with the same fears like, oh my God, what if mom gets sick? How are we going to help her? What can we do? We're helpless. We can't do anything for her. She's not here. We can't see her. So I think there was a undercurrent of panic just at just ready to boil over. And everyone was trying very hard to keep their own emotions under control. So I think that there were some pretty much they did a great job. But I think there were moments when each and every one of them definitely had that panic. And when I was actually leaving, I hope my son Eric doesn't kill me for saying this, but I was leaving the house and he was outside after we had just discovered I tested positive. And I was going to my car and he was sitting outside and he just said, I love you, mom. Oh, oh yeah. I still get choked up and it's like, okay, we can get, but it turns out my PCR test came back negative. So I was about six or seven days in. So you got your Christmas miracle, right? You so, got to go back home, right? So on Christmas Eve, I went back home because I had a negative PCR test and I didn't have one symptom the entire time I was in quarantine. And when I had gotten that positive result, it's like, what the heck? I'm not sick. And you know, when you can tell if you're sick, you know, your body can tell you I'm sick. I'm coming down with a cold. You know, there was nothing. So I was either an asymptomatic positive or I had a false positive test in the rapid test. Anyway, I'm thinking it was a false positive. I'm thinking it was too, because my entire family tested negative. And then I had to text all of my employees and say, I tested positive. I sent them all to get tests and they all tested negative. No one who I had been in contact with tested positive. 
So I had to have had a false positive. Right. Because you've been really respectful of having all of your family with you and running your shop. You go in in the morning and you do everything you do before it opens. And then you come in just at the very end. So you're not really around the public. So it really would have been your employees and your family and with everybody else testing negative, still scary. Right. And I know that you were one of the first person I texted when I said, I think it was a false positive. I'm headed home. It was Christmas Eve. And then weirdly, my phone rings and it's you. (laughs) And well, the COVID Grinch showed up at the Millen house. (laughs) The COVID Grinch showed up at the Millen house. I don't even know how else to put it. It did. And it came as a bit of a surprise, but Rob had a little bit of a cough and was sneezing a bit. And so we were going to have dinner with our parents that night. I said, why don't we just go get you tested just to make sure? And he went and got tested. And two hours later, he got the results that he was positive. And unfortunately, there's no Christmas miracle here. It was an actual COVID positive test with symptoms, fever, and all of that. Yep. So you basically dealt with the same things I dealt with, except yours were real. (laughs) Mine were imagined out of fear, but yours have been real. And your son was home at the time, so he was also exposed. So then... Yes. I mean, I was so happy to have him here, but unfortunately, he was here when Rob tested positive, as was our friend's daughter. So there were four of us in the house. We had gone to dinner the night before. And yes, a positive test result on Christmas Eve. Uh, Yeah. But we made the best of it because that's all you can do at that point. So how did you handle quarantine? He probably stayed home because you didn't have as many people in your house at the time. So he didn't feel the need to leave his house. Right. As you're probably guessing right now, we do record our episodes a little bit early because I'm still in quarantine with my husband right now. Uh, When he came down as a positive result, I said, well, I've been sleeping next to him. He's taken a sip out of my wine. So I probably have it. So to be on the safe side, I'm just going to go ahead and quarantine these 14 days with him. Right. Um, Which I think it's what you're supposed to do anyway. And Just for the record, my whole family quarantined at home, even though they had all tested negative, they all stayed home for 14 days. And when I came home, we continued our quarantine. So they weren't out and about doing their thing. We were all quarantined. I just removed myself from them. But anyway, I just wanted to make that clear so everyone isn't thinking, oh, well, everyone else went back to their normal lives. They didn't. Anyway, so you... You probably just assumed that you had COVID as well. I did assume that I had it at that point, and so did both of the kids. Uh, They did have to go back to their homes, but they have their own apartments, and so they went back home to quarantine. One of them, our friend's daughter, did end up testing positive. I started to feel not so good. I started to concentrate on the fact that I'm congested and I have a little bit of a cough, but it I never had a fever or anything like that. So it might have just been sympathy pains is what I'm thinking. I I didn't know at that point. I wasn't planning on going to get a test because I'm actually terrified of the test. And I'll go into my testing experience because I did end up getting one in just a minute. But that was my plan just to quarantine. I wasn't feeling great. 
assumed I had it and I was good with that. Rob, he is a mind over matter person. And so he has been such a trooper throughout this whole thing. He really hasn't complained. He's been working from home. He's just so strong, much stronger than I am. I would be in bed with the covers over my head. And that's how I felt with my little cough and my congestion too. Like, I'll just go take a nap. (laughs) Well, what else am I going to do? I'm in quarantine. (laughs) Yeah, true. True. Although we talked about that too, because I think sometimes the symptoms, sympathy pains, yes. And some are psychosomatic when you think you have it. Every symptom seems like, well, yeah, I have it. I have a cough. So I must have COVID. Right. So I was out in the kitchen and I had a little cough and Rob looked at me and kind of like rolled his eyes or something. And (laughs) Rob, I'm just assuming I have it. He goes, well, you know, you're going to have to go get tested, right? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to have to go get tested because it terrifies me. And he's like, when I go and get my next test, you need to go too, because no one's going to want to be around us if they think one of us might be positive. We got into this discussion and I get a little stubborn because I'm just like, well, I'll show you. If you remember in a previous episode, I told you I haven't been back to Alaska. And the big reason for that is I'm terrified of that test. And it sends me spiraling in an, and into panic. And I'm sure I've built it up in my mind much worse than it is. But when I was younger, and I hate to even share the story because it's kind of embarrassing, but I was only like two or three. I had a vitamin and I decided to stick it up my nose. Oh, everyone's done that. <laughs> but it got lodged up there. Oh, no. And all the colors of the vitamins started streaming down my face, which scared my mom. Oh. And she called the fire department. Oh, no. And they all showed up. And I remember this. Oh. So I'm just a little terrified about the whole idea. But again, Rob put that out there. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm just going to go get a test. If the line's not too long, I'll get the test today. And the whole way over, I'm praying that the line's too long. So it's not, of course. So I'm like, okay, okay, this is something I'm going to do. It's something I have to do. So I go get in line. There's a family of six getting tested when I walk up with little kids and then two people and then me. And I'm telling you again, they were little kids And little kids don't like tests. And they were screaming. It was painful for them. They were screaming and reacting. And I'm sitting there about to bolt back to my car because I'm thinking, (laughs) there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to do this. The little kids can't even do it. But then the other part of me is like, they're little kids. They got it done. You need to stick it out. So I did. But I did stand in line. I looked away. I covered my ears. (sighs) It was horrible. I am so sorry you had to go through that. And I'll tell you, when I got my first COVID test, which was probably four or five months ago, when I wanted to go to Seattle to see my grandson, and I thought, I can't get on an airplane without a negative COVID test. So I went and got my first COVID test. And my big fear, the procedure itself didn't bother me, but I kept telling people, okay, it's hard to get a COVID test and not just assume it's going to come back positive. And again, (laughs) I'm such a baby when it comes to that stuff, because it's like, because I got a COVID test, I will be positive. And that's not how it works. (laughs) You know, most people still are test negative when they get their COVID test. But my mind plays games with me. It's like, because I got a COVID test, 
it's going to be positive. But now I know what that's like. Right. Well, I'm sure I, I'm, I have it as I'm standing in this line. I have my mask on six feet away from everyone. Well, I finally get up to take the test and I am shaking, oh. literally shaking. And she's like, it's really not that bad. Just think about how you feel when you jump into water and you get some water up your nose. That's about what it feels like. And I'm like, okay, well, I can survive that. And again, those little kids just did it. Oh, of course. I should be able to do it. So I step up to get it done. And the way they do it, they just do it in the doorway of their clinic. And so everybody's standing outside. So the street is right there. And as she sticks that in, a car comes by and the passenger leans out the window. I'm assuming it's a passenger. It might have been the driver, but that's not very safe. And starts yelling. It's all fake. It's all <laughs> fake news. You guys are followers. It's not real. Da, 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 da. And they're yelling this as they go down the street. And all I can think is, please have a steady hand. Please yeah. don't get distracted by that because it's yeah. really going to freaking hurt. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't. She was very professional. And I got it done. I walked away and I felt like I had just conquered Mount Everest or something because it was a fear. So when it was done, it's like, okay, I survived. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good story because you aren't like me where you just assume, maybe you did just assume it was going to come back positive because you, you're in the same house with someone who was positive, but at least you came back feeling good about yourself because it's like you conquered it. Whereas I came away feeling like, oh, I, I'm probably going to be positive. And I did get the call and I was expecting her to say I was positive, but my test actually came back negative. Wow. I don't know how but I'll take it. Yeah, no kidding. And then I got a really good night's sleep and I woke up feeling much better the next day. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? It is funny how it works. And I'll just finish up the story by saying Colton back in Flagstaff has had two tests done and uh, the first one came back negative. So very hopeful that the second test comes back negative also. And you said the daughter of our friends who is with you she tested positive, but she still feels okay. She's young. She is young and she, she does still feel okay. At last I checked, which was yesterday, she was feeling good. So that's good news. It is all good news. So I'm wondering now, because I have been living with COVID, uh -huh. close proximity, maybe I already had it in the past, or maybe there's something, I already have the antibody or something. Because both myself and Colton who were around Rob the most, tested negative. Well, and I definitely think, especially since I had a positive test, even though it was probably a false positive, and they, I think they say to wait three to four weeks or maybe even six weeks, I think I'll go get an antibody test just to find out if it was a false positive. Because if I have the antibodies, then clearly I did have COVID at some point, just was asymptomatic. So I'm definitely going to get the antibody test, which I actually think is a blood test, not the nose swab test. Right. I heard about somebody who went and donated blood. And when they did that, they tested and they showed that the antibody was present. So I was like, well, I could go give blood and do something mm -hmm. good for the community and also find out. So I may do that. Yeah, I think you should. That would probably be the best thing to do. <laughs> well, and you know, now that it's behind us, well, it's not behind you yet, because you're still dealing with COVID in your house, but your husband Rob's doing much better. 
he's still not feeling 100%, but he definitely is improving. He is improving. And when he goes to test next time, I will test also. And hopefully we both come up with negative test results. So I don't have to quarantine another two weeks. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> that'll be a month inside the house and that'll <laughs> drive me nuts. No kidding. But now that I have tested negative, it's so funny because I feel like I need to be a better nursemaid or <laughs> more attentive. But you know what? Sadly, I've never been that person. I'm not a good nursemaid. Like I'm kind and can I get you stuff and everything? But I have failed miserably in the past at that role. I think you're pretty hard on yourself. Oh, no, I'll share a story. You'll see why. You'll see why. It was really bad. And Rob, to this day, teases me about it. Oh, tell us. Tell us what it is. It'll make me feel better when I start talking about my nursemaid skills. Okay, well, and this is an interesting fact, not interesting, but a coincidental fact that five years ago in December 2015 on Christmas Eve, Rob got a cancer diagnosis. I remember it well. Yes, five years later on Christmas Eve, he gets his COVID results back as positive. So I know what's going on with Christmas Eve, but we're going to think very extra positively moving forward on that day. But anyhow, so five years ago, Rob was battling cancer. He was going through chemotherapy and I would go to his doctor appointments with him. And in one of those appointments, the doctor said very clearly, if he spikes a fever over 103, no questions asked, you need to take him to the hospital. He has to get to the hospital. I was there. I heard it. (laughs) Rob heard it. So a couple weeks later, in the middle of the night, Rob, who would sleep with a thermometer on his nightstand, took his temperature and it was above 103. And he starts tapping me on the shoulder. Hey, Michelle, I I think maybe I need to go to the hospital. I think maybe I'm in real trouble here. (laughs) He might have said, I think I might be dying. And he's trying to wake me up. And then he gets more aggressive with it. And finally, he gets my attention and he tells me. And I say to him, honey, you have a lot of issues, but dying tonight is not one of them. Go to sleep. (laughs) And I fell back asleep. And then I woke up. (laughs) It was horrible. I don't even remember saying it. I mean, I kind of vaguely remember having a conversation in the middle of the night. So I got up the next morning and (laughs) tried to be a good nursemaid. Hey, honey, how are you feeling? Can I get you anything? And he was pissed. I would have been pissed. (laughs) I'm like, what's wrong? And he said, this is what you said to me last night. Again, I had no recollection of it. Maybe a little like I got woke up. Yes. And then, of course, he had to tell his parents, my (laughs) parents, his sister, who's a nurse, and anybody who would listen that I basically was okay with him dying that night because I wouldn't get up to take him to the hospital. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. It's bad. Yeah. (laughs) When I was telling him yesterday that we were going to be discussing this, then maybe our nursemaid skills. He's like, oh, you have to tell him about that time. I'm like, it's already written down, Rob. That was yeah. bad. That was really bad. And I'm sorry. I can oh, never make up for it. that is so funny. That is so funny. Yeah, I don't feel so bad about my lack of nursemaid skills after that story because I was going to say, I mean, I think everyone, now that everyone who listens has gotten to know me, knows that I am not a warm and fuzzy person. I do not have 
a compassionate gene in my body. And so when Jeff gets sick, I get pissed. I'm like, of course you're sick. Of course you're sick. (laughs) And it's always in the worst time. And it's inconvenient. And for whatever reason, whenever Jeff has had the stomach flu, I don't know why. But it's always bad enough because he gets dehydrated. He ends up in the hospital. And so they always bring him into the hospital. They admit him. They hook him up on IV fluids to rehydrate him so that he doesn't die. And the first, I don't know, three or four times in our married life that that happened, I would be the dutiful wife. I would go sit in the hospital room with him. And of course, they hook him up to IV fluid and he'd fall asleep and he'd sleep for 12 hours. And I would be sitting in a hospital room, you know, because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do, just getting more and more pissed. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, well, it must be nice to just be able to go to sleep when you're sick and hooked up to an IV. I'll just sit here awake and act like I'm worried about you. <laughs> well, I hope Rob never hears that you stayed in the hospital all night because when he did have of his surgery five years ago, they admitted him overnight at the hospital. Again, it was just after Christmas. We had all the boys home. I had been at the hospital with them from 10 in the morning until seven at night. I went home to check on the kids. We came back for a while and then about 10 or 11, I'm like, well, I think I'm going to go and try and get a good night's sleep. You're just going to be sleeping anyway. You're in good hands. And he's like, you're not staying. I'm like, no, I didn't know it was an option to stay. And me, you know me, I don't change plans on a dime. No. When I have an idea in my mind, it does take me a while to wrap around changing plans. But I didn't know that there was a place for me to stay. I really didn't. So I said, no, you'll be fine. You're here with the nurses. You're going to sleep. You have an IV. You're in the best hands possible. And I went home. Well, I was I didn't sleep at all that night. The wind was howling. I was worried about him. And so I was there very early in the the next morning and I brought him clean clothes because we were going to take him home. And I brought him a power aid or something to drink early in the morning. That was good. Yeah, I thought it was good. But to this day, whenever he gets upset with me, it's like, and you didn't stay at the hospital with me. It's a sore subject. (laughs) So I hope he never hears that you actually did and were resentful. But those were my younger years, you know, when you kind of in your mind think you know what you have to do or you think you, yeah, at some point when it's with Jeff, it's the, you know, the fourth or the fifth time that he's in the hospital because he's dehydrated because of a stomach virus where I'm like, you know, just call me when you're done and I'll come pick you up. (laughs) Because it would, I would just get upset, you know, and then you have to have someone watching the kids and it's really not necessary. And just a couple of years ago, we had a house full of people on Thanksgiving, a family reunion, and Jeff had, is it called an obstructed bowel or something like that? It was twisted or something. Yeah, it was a twisted. Yeah. I mean, and I guess I didn't really realize how serious that could be, but he drove himself to the emergency room. He had gone to like a minute clinic or urgent care. Um, and they, I know, well, he had been out on a hike and he was in this excruciating pain. And I was doing something else with other people in the group. So I didn't really realize all of that had gone on. So he went to minute clinic just to say, hey, I have this excruciating pain in my abdomen. And he had already had his appendix out a few years before. 
So he got to the urgent care and they said, oh, no, you have to go to an emergency room. So it was one of the brands of hospitals here that runs the urgent care. So they sent him to the closest hospital emergency room affiliated with the urgent care. And the urgent care he had went to was closest to where he had gone on a hike. So when they admitted him to the hospital because of this twisted intestine or whatever it was he had, you know, he called me and he said, I've been admitted. Can you bring me a few things? (laughs) Of course, the hospital is like an hour and a half from our house. And I have a house full of people. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a whole day now that I'm going to have to, I have to drive all the way over there. (laughs) I am so pathetic because my husband was admitted to the hospital with a bowel obstruction or whatever it was he had. And, you know, possibly facing surgery, which I also didn't realize it it was that serious. And and fortunately, it corrected itself. So he did not have to have surgery. But all I could think of was how inconvenient it was for me. I mean, I not a compassionate bone in my body. Well, I think you don't give yourself enough credit. But hearing that story about Jeff does remind me of this one time I was in excruciating pain. Anybody out there who I don't even had, has had a UTI, I hate even talking about it, right. knows what I'm talking about. And I think it was the first one I ever had. I was very young. I was married to my first husband. And I woke up and all I could think of, because all I'd ever heard, I'd never had one is cranberry juice helps. So I tried to wake him up. And so in this situation, he was playing the role of Michelle. Oh, (laughs) I couldn't wake him up to go to the store to get me cranberry juice. So I had to drag myself. Oh, no. Barely able to walk to the grocery store to pick up some juice to see if it would help. And that was miserable. So... I try to have compassion thinking about that. And I did have compassion. I felt really bad (laughs) that next morning with Rob because I I really didn't remember saying it. And so I have to give that same thought to my ex-husband. He probably was so tired. He didn't hear me either. You could be right. I'm just finding that similarity right now as we're talking. I've never thought of it before this moment. So Uh, I'm learning things as we have these conversations. I guess so. How were you with your kids when they were younger and sick? I was terrible. I mean, I did what I had to do. I never got mad at them (laughs) for being sick. But okay. And I I had made this comparison when I was in quarantine waiting for my symptoms to start for COVID. You know, I kept thinking, okay. And I kept going back to when the stomach flu would sweep through our house. And I was always the last to get it. So I was constantly waiting for my own symptoms. I hear a pattern in my behavior. It's really all about me in my world. And I don't, I don't worry so much about the people that are sick. I do what I have to do to take care of them. But it's really about, okay, when are my symptoms going to start? And that is how I felt when I was waiting for COVID to start with me. I was like, okay, when are my symptoms going to start? This reminds me when my kids would have the stomach flu. And I would just wait for those symptoms to start with me. Yeah. I mean, it's the wrong word to use, but it's like that dead man walking. Yeah. You you know, it's inevitable. So you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. You know, I wish Katie were on this um, podcast episode as well, because she would. I was just thinking the same thing. I was just thinking. She would tell us exactly how unsympathetic I was. And the ironic thing about that is my daughter, Katie, I have seen her with her husband, with 
her grandma who has since passed away with with anyone in her life who is sick you know she is the most compassionate kind loving person there is i've seen her make people tea and you know put honey in tea and put it on a nice tray and and find a you know a pretty flower to put on the tray to make them feel better and i've seen her sit with people and read them books while they're sick you know she just has that deep compassionate this is what you do when people are sick she never got that from me and i'm sure in her life in the times that she's been sick i'm sure she was like god where is that person who's supposed to be bringing me tea <laughs> it wasn't me that was probably jeff yeah it was probably his mom grandma because jeff was jeff was kind of very unaware of things <laughs> You know, if someone was sick, he would always feel bad for them. But he didn't tend to people. But his mom could come over and she would sit by Katie's bedside. She probably would have crawled. She probably did crawl into bed with Katie when Katie was sick. And, you know, just to make her feel better, just to comfort her. So that's probably where Katie got her compassion from. Not for me. Yeah, because, (laughs) because... Because that is not me. I mean, I I realize this is a weakness of mine. It's something that I just don't have it in me. I would love to hear my kids' thoughts on, on that part of their childhood, because I do. I I can honestly say I was never mad at them or was angry with them because they were sick. Like I would be with Jeff. I was at least kind to them, but I wasn't compassionate. Right. And I'm trying to think how I fall in the whole thing. I probably could have been better. I did the best that I could do. And I did make sure they were comfortable and had blankets. And But I'm sure a couple of times I fell very short on that nursemaid skill. Yeah, it's a gift. <laughs> yeah, my dad had that gift. He was always good. If one of us kids ever got sick, it was always dad that got up in the middle of the night and helped us out. Yeah. I think back to my childhood and I was, I, if my siblings are listening to this, they would laugh out loud because I'm going to say I was a bit of a hypochondriac. And in reality, I was a full-blown hypochondriac. I was sick all the time in my mind. And so my parents got so sick of me being sick <laughs> that, that they could care less if I was sick. And, and I was the child that cried wolf because I was sick all the time. So when I really was sick, my parents really didn't pay attention because I was always sick with something. I might have had a child or I might, no, nah, he's outgrown it. But one that was, well, <laughs> he's outgrown it for the most part. But I did have a child like that also who I should have bought a ton of stock in Johnson Johnson because every little scrape, even if you couldn't see it, required a Band-Aid and there was always something. That's so funny. Okay. See, I had band-aids in my house for my kids because that's my no-nonsense mom. We didn't get a band-aid for anything. And she said, if it's bleeding bad enough, it's bad enough to go to the hospital. Wash it off and you'll be fine. We never got a band-aid and we never went to the hospital. The only time any of us kids ever went to the hospital was when my sister fell and broke her arm and they relented and took her to the hospital. And but the rest of us never. And we were healthy kids. We weren't injury prone. But yeah, they didn't put up with cuts and bruises. It's like, nope, no band. We we never had a band-aid. So I yeah, yeah. So I gave my kids band-aids whenever they wanted one. 
they got a Band-Aid. <laughs> yes. We went through so many Band-Aids. They would be gifts for birthdays. They would be just because it was funny at, at that point. And so, well, how are you as a patient? I mean, we've talked about as a nursemaid, if you were the patient, what would you expect from those around you? I expect nothing from those around me. I want to be left alone. I want to just wallow in my own misery and be sick and get over it. And one of the reasons when I tested positive for COVID that I immediately left the house because I tend to continue to function. Like if dinner needs to be fixed, I will still go and fix dinner. If the dishes are need to be cleaned, I will still go do the dishes. And it's like, mm, not with COVID, you don't. But I'm that person who I don't want sympathy. I don't want attention. I just want to be sick and get over it. What about you? Right. I am kind of a baby. I would like to think that I'm not. But if I'm being honest with myself, I will say, oh, I'm so stuffed up or oh, I'm <laughs> coughing or oh, my muscles ache. And I'll complain a little bit. I don't need someone in there every second checking on me or anything like that. But I'm a complainer. I will have to say that. Yeah. And I could say, I fortunately am a very healthy adult. And my mom used to say this, if you're sick as a child, you're healthy as an adult. If you're healthy as a child, you're sick as an adult, because at some point it all catches up with you. You have to build up the immunity somehow. So I was sick a lot. I mean, truly, I was sick a lot as a child. I had a lot of upper respiratory. I had bronchitis every year. I had, I was sick all the time. So I'm a healthy adult. So I don't get sick often enough to really know if I complain about my symptoms. But I do know that I'm also a very crabby patient, which is probably why I like to be left at home because I snap at people. You know, Jeff, he'll come in and he'll say, do you need anything? And I was like, get out. So leave me alone. I'm fortunate. Also, I don't get sick very often. Knock on wood. Got to do that right now. But I was a preschool teacher. And in those early years of teaching, being around so many little germs and everything, even though it was a very clean facility, you're just not going to fight a cold that comes in. I built up an immunity and I really don't get sick very often. Thank God, because how miserable for everybody. I know. Well, and there are a couple times in my adult life that I remember being sick. I had influenza twice in my adult life. The first time I had it, it turned into pneumonia. And that actually was over New Year's. And I have never been so sick in my entire life when I had pneumonia over New Year's. And Jeff and I probably, Katie was born, so we'd probably only been married a couple years. And that was one of the times where it's like I vaguely even remember being sick because I was so sick. And then the second time I had influenza, Jeff was traveling and I had three kids and I was babysitting some friends' children. And it was right before spring break and the kids had all had the flu. I got influenza from the kids and I was sick for a month. I remember falling asleep on the couch like on a Monday, <laughs> waking up on a Saturday and calling my mom and saying, can you come and get the kids because I'm really sick. And she said, well, have you taken anything? And I said, no. And she said, well, for the love of God, take some aspirin. <laughs> I took aspirin and I got over the flu. But ever since that time, I get the flu shot every year without fail. Right. 
And I'm not good about doing the flu shot. I don't know why that is, but I'm not good about it. My worst illness ever was actually strep throat. I did what I was supposed to, went to the doctor, got tested. The first test came back negative. And a week later, they did some more extensive testing on it. It came back positive. So for a whole week, I went untreated without it. And I was miserable. It was horrible. And yeah, strep throat scares me. Strep throat is one of those childhood diseases that swept through our house every year. Jeff was very prone to strep throat. And so all three of my kids had strep throat at least once a year. And Katie was the first that she eventually had her tonsils out because the strep throat, what the doctor called dead soldiered in her tonsils. So she could never get a negative result. Every time they'd swab it, it came back positive. Oh, wow. So they took out the tonsils to get rid of the strep throat. And the other interesting thing about that is whenever Katie had strep throat, Eric would develop this rash on the back of his neck, which is actually a scarlet fever. I think it's scarlet fever, which is a derivative of strep throat. So whenever the rash developed on Eric's neck, I knew that Katie had strep and they would both always test positive for strep when he got the rash on the back of his neck. So he eventually had his tonsils out as well. And then Greg had his tonsils out Greg tested positive for strep when he was one and a half. And at the time, his pediatrician told me it looks like it could be strep, but children under the age of two never get strep. So I doubt very much if it's strep. Um, It's probably just a virus. And it was strep. And the doctor actually called me and said, this is the first child I've ever seen under the age of two that tested positive for strep. I mean, strep ran rampant in our house. And then Greg had his tonsils out when he was three. So when once all three of my kids had their tonsils out, I think strep has only hit our house once or twice since then. So, well, that's a blessing <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never had strep, but the kids and Jeff all the time had strep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's not fun. So, this has been like a really big episode. I feel like I need to go pour a glass of champagne, and include the orange juice today because it contains vitamin C. Oh, good point. Good call. (laughs) Yeah, all this talk. And I hope people, even though it was a little bit deeper topic with our experiences with COVID, I hope they still found humor in some of the things that we shared today. Well, even if they didn't find humor, I bet they found things they could relate to. Yes, relating is good too. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's good to relate. Okay, so let's go pour ourselves mimosas today. Okay, maybe I'll um, even pour some of that. Is it called immune in it? Emergency or emergency? Yes, maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll pour some emergency in. That's a good that. idea. I think I'm going to do that the glass same. of champagne. Oh my yeah. gosh! I think uh. that's a great idea. Let's do it. Okay, well, thank you, Suzanne, for chatting with me today. And cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. 
And you know, if we had Godson music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are technology challenged. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.